Good morning. Thanks for being with us on this Sunday, July. Yesterday I said January. July 22nd. Thanks again so much for being with us today. It certainly is a hot topic, one that has been top of mind for many people and generating a lot of attention, a lot of discussion since the government made an announcement on Thursday telling us that ride hailing not coming to BC likely the earliest would be the fall of 2019. Well, joining us on the line now is Mohan Kang, president of the BC Taxi Association. Mohan, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for inviting. Uh, what is your response? So we've talked about this so much. We've now had this announcement, which turned into a bit of a disaster for the government on Thursday. There's been a lot of backlash. It is clear that people would like to see ride hailing, ride sharing in BC a lot sooner than that. What is your response to the call for these ride hailing and ride sharing organizations to be up and running in BC? Well, I will take a different uh, approach. I would say the uh, announcement which the government has made will enable the taxi industry to modernize itself under the new rules and be able to improve the taxi service to the customers. And how so? Well, the way the things, they are looking at the things uh, for streamlining applications, supply for boundaries. So far, there were boundaries in the Metro Vancouver, which was good maybe 15, 20, 30 years back. But now the whole uh, things have changed since then. And if we cannot utilize the current fleets for better, uh, we can't serve the people better. Uh, so I think with the new uh, changes which they're saying they will bring, it will enable the taxi industry to do a better job. So we heard on Thursday that there will be 500 new cabs, 500 new licenses, 300 in the Lower Mainland, on the Lower Mainland, 200 in the rest of the province. When, though, and you know the business, when would those cabs physically be in operation? I have no idea at this stage because they just announced it. And when the things come to nut and bolts, right, then and then we will know how they are going to issue them. Right, which does nothing for the people right now and who likely last night were stuck on a street corner in downtown Vancouver and couldn't get home. Well, I'm extremely sorry for that. But the main thing is, if there was interest by the Vancouver uh, local government, they would have done, uh, you know, much better uh, few years back even. Because you got the extra taxis which are dropping maybe hundreds and thousands of trips in downtown then heading dead back to their own destination, right? Uh, Those things could have been used before. And now I'm glad to see that the government is taking steps to remove those boundaries and to make better use of the taxis. But we hear from people all of the time who say, we had a gentleman on this radio station, I think it was less than two weeks ago, He wouldn't. the taxi cab driver wouldn't take him to his house in Carisdale, in Kitsilano. How does government regulation come into play at all when we have taxi drivers refusing service? Well, the book has to be thrown at that driver. You know, with the new technologies, it is not hard to pinpoint who the gentleman, who the driver was. And... Uh, if the drivers know 
that, you know, there are serious consequences which should be there uh, on behalf of the taxi companies as soon as they receive a complaint. Uh, I, I think within short time, these things will improve. When we're talking about ride hailing and ride sharing, is there a scenario where you see the two coexisting, that we still have a taxi industry, but we allow ride hailing, we allow Uber and Lyft to come into this market? Well, we said five years back, that is our association stand, but that we have no problem with the uh, TNCs coming to BC, provided they meet the safety standards and there's an even playing field. And would that mean paying the same amount of insurance, around $35,000 a year? Well, the insurance, there has to be adequate insurance. Like, you know, uh, if you're going to allow the TNCs, what I meant by TNCs, the Uber and Lyft-type operations, to do the cherry-picking, that is not fair at all. When we see that the taxi industry has to serve the general public without any discrimination, which includes the people with disabilities, to make sure they're served better. But when you look at the uh, Uber or Lyft type operations, they don't want to give that type of service. So why they should be given a unfair chance and how the taxi industry can compete with them? So if we're talking about that, I'm glad you brought that up, talking uh, about accessible cabs. And and I will tell you from personal experience, uh, my sister, who was in a wheelchair, uh, we used to use taxis all the time. It was the only way we could get around, the two of us. And I used a a taxi service, Delta Surrey, green cabs. It was the best service I could have ever imagined. I have absolutely no complaints. The drivers were on time. The drivers were helpful. They were courteous. Absolutely top-notch, not one complaint. So even with the bringing in of Uber and Lyft or whatever other TNC is coming in, I would never move away from using that taxi service. So does that not is that not even just one example of how the two can coexist? Maybe you are exception to the general rule. Pardon me if I said that. Uh, most of the people, when they look at the services, they won't care. They, they need to know that to provide accessible service, now to my mind, there are about 388 accessible cabs in the Metro Vancouver out of 2,081 cabs which are serving there at present, right, give or take. Now, it takes much more time for accessible vehicle to serve. It costs quite a bit more than a normal cab for accessible cab. So, in fact, the companies have somehow to subsidize the accessible cabs, right? So why these are big, big companies. They're not companies. They're mega companies like Uber or Lyft. Why can't they supply the same type of service and thus give the general public and everybody else an even playing field? Uh, what, what else does the even playing field look like? Because we hear that phrase quite a bit. So what, what would it be then? What would have to be in place for you and your association to be okay with ride hailing coming to BC? Well, they have to be part, of, part and parcel to not discriminate against any community or sect of the community and provide the service that we are providing, right? And also they have to ensure there's adequate insurance to cover any incident or accident where ultimately the taxpayer may 
have to pay if it is not covered, right? And in our case, we get the maximum insurance paid and we make sure that everybody's protected, the customers, the drivers. And then there's no reason to my mind because I've been in the taxi industry over four decades, right? Mm-hmm. Why they can't do it? And why uh, the government now, when I see at this thing, at least they have given the breathing space for the taxi industry to get in line and to make sure that they modernize, make sure they're compatible. And if they're not compatible by that time, it is nobody else's fault, but it is our own. Uh, but surely this has been dealt with, and I know we, we get the reason being that it's ICBC, it's a public insurer, so it's different. But surely where Uber operates and Lyft operates around the world, they have dealt with the issue of insurance. And the governments in those places are also concerned with the safety of their public. So surely if it can be figured out around the world, we should be able to figure it out here, shouldn't we? I fully agree with you. When you go around the world, let's let's go to London for a you know, few seconds. They banned them for what reason? Safety reasons, right? They went to the court. Now they were giving the reprieve for 18 months to show that they're going to run a safe operation, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I read in the uh, papers, they're spending $500 million for advertising to improve their image. I wish we could do it. And Uber is still operating. It seems, though, that they have, they've, they've, and I know there's taxis in London that aren't happy about it, but they are still operating in that city. Yeah, because they have, now they have to meet those standards. Because you think of this, like, what we've been saying, it's a proven fact. I'll tell you, I was in Montreal about three, four years back attending a international regulators conference. And one of the lady. I believe her name was Tina Page. She was the director or something from Houston. She stated as a spokesperson that they found 264 uh, Uber drivers who who's, uh, who had criminal records, uh, uh, sexual assaults, drugs. Like they, there was no way they should be driving because they, they go back only up to seven years back. So we've been saying from day one, why not have the same standard what we have in BC for taxi drivers, biometric criminal checks by the police, which ensures the public safety. Right. And I don't think anybody has a problem with that. I mean, if you if you are if you're working with kids, if you're working with vulnerable people in this province, if you're volunteering, you have to get a criminal record check. I don't think anybody has an issue with ensuring that the people who become the drivers are safe. That's what we've been asking. That is part of the public safety issue, what we've been saying, and also even playing field too. I want to ask you, we don't have a ton of time. I want to ask you about the proposal, the the Vancouver Taxi Association wanting the 200 new licenses to go to Cater. Cater would then purchase the 200 vehicles, have the drivers, they would charge the same rates as the taxi drivers currently charge. Some of the profits would go to the taxi industry. What are your thoughts on the idea of the licenses going to these Cater cars? I'm as surprised as the rest of the public, when it came to our knowledge in the news media, right? And uh, 
I, uh, if I was in their place, I won't do it. You wouldn't do it? Not the way they have done it, no. How come? Well, to my mind, it's not fair, right? It's not right. And and why, I mean, a lot of people are, are saying that as well. Why do you think it's not fair and not right? Well, they're trying to keep the monopoly by doing both the things together. And if that was the case, the uh, the process should have been transparent and fair, which to my mind it is not. Uh, the transportation minister on Thursday said that nothing to do with this decision or this delay is political, which got some laughter from people uh, that were listening to and watching that announcement. Uh, it is political, is it not, in that there is a lot of pressure on whatever government is in office from uh, taxi drivers and the taxi industry uh, to keep ride sharing out of this province? Well, that's what the presumption may be, but the factor means. The government has to see the thousands and thousands of the families who depend on the business, the whose bread is put on the table by the hardworking taxi drivers who are there out on 24-7 basis, right? And uh, uh, I think uh, any government, whether it's Liberal or the NDP or Green or anybody else comes, would be keeping that in mind, you know. All right, uh, Mohan, we'll have to leave it there. We are out of time. I do appreciate you taking some time with us today, though. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot for inviting.